You're listening to When Christians Speak Online Talk Radio, broadcasting out of the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Today's voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. When Christians Speak is dedicated to lifting up the name of Christ Jesus and spreading the good news. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to another broadcast of When Christians Speak Talk Radio. Amen. I'm Reverend Ray. Today's broadcast will call uh, uh, is this about grace with Minister Vanessa. She has sent me the message, and it's, her message is a Christmas message. Is God is with you. Amen. Amen. I want to read something that she had written on her Facebook page about today's message. Amen. Let me see if I can uh, go to, right to it. But I'm excited about being here. This is an uh, 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 exciting time for a lot of Christians. Amen. You know, we uh, uh, take this time of the year very serious. Amen. With Christmas and the holidays and family and everything. And I do want to go ahead and, and let it, wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Amen. And I um, pray that that God will be with you and you remember the uh, the purpose and the reason of Christmas. Amen. I think Minister Vanessa is probably going to talk a little, a little bit about that. I'm trying to find something that she had posted earlier. Amen. But I'm excited, man. God is good, you know. He, he really is. Okay. And God is good and I'm glad that he gave, was willing to give his son for us. Amen. This is a message she said. This is what she said. This is a message for all seasons, seasons beginning with the foretelling of the Messiah to come in Old Testament to Jesus' birth, burial, resurrection. Resurrection, New Testament. She said, I'm retelling his story as a reminder of the greatest love affair of all time. Please invite others to listen in to the night's broadcast at 7 p.m. Okay, which is now. Okay, if you have, you want to call in right now, you can call in right now and listen to the show. Amen. We're live at 646-478-0660. It's only, it's only, best time to call it is now. You can listen to the show like that, or you can go back later and listen in the archives. Amen. And the archives are played on different networks, Log Talk Radio, uh, Spreaker.com, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and of course, WhenChristmasBeat.com. But just for uh, this information real quick, it's about and grace is every Tuesday at 7 p.m. We have another show called Declaring the French Ripper of Pet Randall. That's Thursday at 12 noon. Uh, Friday Night Joy. It's, it's me. I do Friday Night Joy, and I also do The Bread of Life. Amen. Both of those shows are uh, Sundays at 7 p.m. It's the, the first and the fourth Sunday. Amen. Challenge to Change with Pastor Mar- Paul Morgan is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Amen. Our monthly broadcasts are as follows. Life Lamb and Apostle Shirley Jones is every first Monday at 7 p.m. The Bowling of Beautiful with Reverend Norena Reed, Reverend Curtis Austin, and Minister Jordana Cunningham is every second Saturday at 10 a.m. Adoration with Evangelist Lord 
Notice my command is every third Monday of the month, amen, at 7 p.m. Marriage Takeover, the body of one of Reverend Eric and Reverend Tamika Thompson. It's every third Sunday at 7 p.m. In fact, they just finished doing the broadcast. The Sunday just passed, amen. It's, a, it's an awesome teaching. Our three real life, real men, and real talk with myself, Elston Green, Cleopas Malone, and Antonio Mitchell. It's every second Sunday at 7 p.m. Amen. Our weekly prayers, midday glory prayer, Reverend Wynn Dixon. is every Wednesday at 1 p.m. The dialing number, amen, is 641 That's code is 732-499. As usual, you can find out more about When Christians Speak Talk Radio. We are revamping our website to make it more user user-friendly. Amen. If you go to winchristianspeak.com, you can find out more information. If you check out our Facebook page, we have several winchristianspeak um, Facebook page and group page. Also, we have uh, another page called Christians Against Suicide and Depression. Amen. Where we try to help those that are going through depression or whatever you need, prayer requests, that kind of, those kind of things. Also, if you have a desire to uh, so a seed or donation into the ministry, you can do so by going to winchristmaspeak.com and clicking on the Donate Now button. We are a 501c3 company, and everything that's done securely through PayPal. Amen. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get started with this awesome message by Minister Vanessa. Ma'am, God is with you, a Christmas story. Amen. God bless. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be with you again. This is Minister Van with When Christians Speak Talk Radio. And it's just an honor and a privilege to be able to share and encourage you today, wherever you are, whatever time of the day it is from wherever you are. We're just giving God the glory and the praise because he is worthy. This is the time when we set aside and we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I've just decided to... Um, do a special message of a special Christmas message and simply title it God is God is the great I am let us pray Heavenly Father we come to you right now Lord thank you Lord God for just being so good in our lives Father, we ask you to touch us right now, Lord God. If there's anything, Lord God, that's not pleasing to you, Father, we ask you to forgive us right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that your word's going to go forth, Lord God, and that your word will convict someone. Your word will encourage someone. Your word will just strengthen someone to go a little bit further, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for an opportunity to serve you, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for this broadcast when Christian Speak Talk Radio. We thank you, Father, for listening ears, for you know what your people need to hear today, Lord. We thank you, Father, and we just count it an honor and a privilege, Lord God, to stand before you, Lord God, and to be that vessel that you would want to use. So, Father, right now I ask you that I decrease, Lord God, because it's not about me, but it's all about you. And that these not just be words coming from my lips, Lord God, that my heart be convinced, Lord God, that it's all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. 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 Well, for the next few minutes or so, I just want to share a story with you. I always like to just share something that's going to encourage you. So this is a story about the greatest love affair of all ages. It starts in heaven and flows to every human being everywhere. It extends throughout eternity 
from generation to generation. This story that captivated my heart and made me want to know him. This is the story about a special gappy love that transcends time. This is the story that man is still trying to figure out. This is the story that those who believe are still in amazement of the depth and breadth and width of just how much this love means. This is the story that recalls all earth to stand still and take notice one day. This is a story that one day all men will know about. This is a story of all stories. But I want to indulge you to indulge me for a minute. I'd like to set the stage. I'd like to set the background for this story. You see, this story began way before God created Adam and Eve. For John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, while this story began way before God prepared his leader Moses to lead his people out of bondage, Exodus 2, I kind of want to begin with the birth of Moses in chapter 2 of Exodus. And then I want to fast forward to an unforgettable meeting between Moses and God at the burning bush. You see, during the time that Moses was born, the king had heard that a child would be born who would become king of all kings. And he didn't want anyone to dethrone him. So it was during this time the Pharaoh set out to destroy all Hebrew male infants. In Exodus, the first chapter, 15 verse, the king instructed all the Hebrew midwives when they saw the Hebrew women giving birth, and if it was a son, they were to kill him, but if it was a daughter, they were to let her live. How many know that what the king meant for evil, God had a say in the whole matter? Yes, this is a story about the greatest affair, love affair of all times. It is a story about the great I am, God is. So here's the birth of Moses during this time. In Exodus, uh, the second chapter, reads, About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus weeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Exodus um, 2nd chapter 5th verse says, Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river. And her attendants walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do that, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's own mother. You see what God does? Do you see what God does? Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. Now the princess didn't know that this was the baby's mother. So the woman took the baby home and she nursed him. Later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him 
as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Now, let me just share some things with you. God, you see, God has spared Moses because he knew he had a meeting plan with Moses at the burning bush. An encounter that would change Moses' life forever. And an encounter that would challenge Moses and define his ultimate purpose. And an encounter that would put a lot of things in motion. So see, Moses' early years were spent at the palace, learning the ways of the Egyptians. And because God's plans included Moses' own mother to be his nurse, God was preparing him to leave his people out of bondage. And who better than Moses, who had learned the ways of the Egyptians, and because his mother, his own natural mother, was his nurse, had learned the ways of the Hebrews, and this one could identify with both sides. So in chapter 2, the 11th verse, it says, Many years later, <clears throat> when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During this visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend, Moses said to the one who had started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh, if Pharaoh had heard what had happened, and he had tried to kill Moses, and Pharaoh did hear this. Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. Now we're going to fast forward to the scene as it unfolds at the burning bush. In the third chapter of Exodus, the third verse, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement because though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This was amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go to see it. I'm telling you, God had plans set in, in, in motion. God had plans set in motion. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, Here I am. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of the harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious ground. 
It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land with the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Parasites, Hittites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, Moses, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But the 11th verse lets us know that Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh, Moses says. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, Moses. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses, Moses still protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of our ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Mm-mm-mm. And we know that God did use Moses, and he did use Moses' brother, Aaron, to speak to Pharaoh and demand that he let his people go. But then fear began to set in the hearts of God's people. And how many know that the great I am does not operate in fear? That goes against his word. The 13th verse, when Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. We're talking about the greatest love story of all ages, and this is just the beginning. I'm here to remind you today that the same God who said to Moses at the burning bush, tell them, I am that I am is the same God who we're talking about today. I'm here to remind you today that the same God who used Moses to say to the people facing the Red Sea, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, is the same God that we're talking about today. God is the great I am, and without him there is no other. And we know this story doesn't end here. Yes, God did use Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. And then after Moses' death, God used Aaron to lead a select group of people into the promised land. But, praise God, the story didn't end there. This is just the beginning. Before I go on, let me ask you a question. Are you believing this to be true? Or do you believe it's just some fairy tale made up to entertain you? You see, I'm still setting the stage here, if you will. For God is the great I am. You see, even after he freed his people from the slavery of Pharaoh and they crossed over to the promised land, they still turned their backs on God. 
over and over and over again. Yet, God did not give up on his people. And guess what? He doesn't give up on you today. God never gave up on his people. You see, in the Old Testament, they would come to the altar and lay unblemished lambs on the altar as a sacrifice for their sins. And they did this over and over again. They'd sin, they'd sacrifice the lambs. They'd sin, they'd sacrifice the lambs. They'd sin, they'd sacrifice the lambs. It was never enough to wash away their sins. Yet, God still loved them. God still loves his people. He never gave up. This reminds me of an old song. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We're talking about the greatest love story of all ages. And this is just the beginning. You see, in the ninth chapter of Isaiah, the scripture reads in the sixth verse, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. The government shall be upon his shoulder. This was foretold. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the seventh verse says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God saw, you see, God saw the sacrifice of unblemished lambs was not enough. He knew something much more profound needed to happen. Then one day, I believe a conversation took place in heaven. I believe a conversation took place in heaven between God the Father and God the Son. I'm talking about the greatest love story ever told. I believe that the conversation went something like this. Who can we send that we once and for all save my people from their sins? I love my people so much, and yet they keep hurting me over and over again. I love my people so much, and yet they keep turning their backs on me. I love my people so much, but yet, yet, they sin over and over again. Who can we sin that will once and for all set my people free? Who can we sin that will once and for all wash away their sins and make them completely whole? Who can we sin that will connect us for all eternity? And you see, I, I believe the conversation continues something like this. Because conversation between God the Father and God the Son, I believe Jesus responded, Here I am, Father, send me. Here I am, send me. Now, we can't understand, we cannot comprehend the relationship of God the Father and God the Son. We don't understand how God could have wrapped himself up in his Son and sent himself down to earth to save us. But I believe the Word of God, because the Word of God says, he did so. Jesus responded, here am I, send me. This was the most unselfish act of love that ever existed. For God knew what his son would need to endure when he came into earth. God knew that his son would be rejected by men. God knew the ridicule that his son would face. God knew everything that he would be challenged with. But yet God sent his only begotten son. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the whosoever believeth in him should not perish. 
but have everlasting life. And the 17th verse says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The greatest love story continues and is shared all across the world as Christians celebrate during this season, what we call Christmas. We celebrate the birth of our Savior. So you see, an angel appeared unto a Virgin Mary one day, and this angel says to Mary, Fear not, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the, earth, the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. No end. Luke the first chapter. And the, third, the 31st, around the 31st. This angel knew he had to get Mary's attention. And he couldn't do that. If she remained trembling and fearful. So he told her, fear not. Fear not. And Mary wasn't supposed to be married to Joseph during this time. And so can you imagine what Joseph, the, the thoughts that went through Joseph's mind when Mary comes to him and tells him that she was just visited by an angel and that she was pregnant and they hadn't even gotten together. And see, the scripture says, tells us in Luke, the first chapter 31st, as he considered this, as Joseph considered all that Mary had said to him, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to call to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God is the great I am. God is love. The greatest love story ever told. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. But have everlasting life. I read an article from the Daily Bread back in January 2001 that talked about this great love of God. And it reads something like this. God's love for us is so deep that we have a hard time comprehending it. It reaches down to us through the darkness of the sinful world, even though we are hopelessly undeserving. The Bible says that before God created our planet, he had decided to display the depth of his love for us through his son's death on the cross. 1 Peter 1.20 In my imagination, I look back over time and see the Lord raising mountains to majestic heights, cutting valleys for flowing rivers, and stretching out vast plains. I envision him creating the mighty oceans and beautiful lakes. Then I see him pause and reflect on the goodness of his creation. He gazes at that part of the world where his son will be born. He knows that Jesus will be rejected and crucified. With a sweep of his hand, God could obliviate the world and spare his son from the agony of the cross, but he doesn't. Because of God's love, the son came to earth and was slain. On Calvary, he died to pay the penalty for our sins. For God said in John 3:16, he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son to whoever believeth in him should not perish but have 
everlasting life. I, be, I love that story. It just talks about the relationship of God the Father and God the Son and how much he loved us. I'd like to continue this story. I'd like to continue to share the, the greatest love affair of all centuries throughout all eternity. The birth of Jesus was foretold in Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favorite woman. The Lord is with you. Mary was confused and disturbed. She tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will concede and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? For I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a child, a son, and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And I say to you today, whoever's listening today, I say to you today, for with God, nothing is impossible. What seems impossible with man is not impossible with God. Here Mary responds, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel leaves her. The greatest love story ever told. The greatest love story ever told. We continue on in Luke, the second chapter, the second verse. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. I want you to think about this for a minute. <coughs> Excuse me. This was the first census taken. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, Joseph had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. The sixth verse, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him smugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lounge available for them. God is. We're talking about the great I am. Luke, the second chapter, eighth verse picks up, talks about the shepherds and angels. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. 
the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped smugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angels were joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let us go to Bethlehem. Let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So the 16th verse says, They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to the flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they'd heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. God is. This is the greatest love story ever told, but guess what? It doesn't stop here. The great I am subjected himself to be baptized by man so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. For we find that in the Matthew, the third chapter, Jesus himself is baptized. Jesus goes from Galilee to the Jordan River, and he's baptized by his cousin John the Baptist. But John tried to talk Jesus out of it. The scripture says, John says, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done. For me, we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son who brings me great joy. Mm, mm, mm. We're talking about I am, the great I am. God is. And then after Jesus was baptized, we find out from Matthew, the fourth chapter, that his ministry begins. When Jesus heard that John had been, John had been arrested, Jesus leaves Judea and returns to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then he left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee and the region of Zebulun and Naphtalim. This fulfilled what God has said through the prophet Isaiah. From there on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And now let's fast forward. Jesus' ministry has been taking place. He spent time with his disciples. He's been doing so many miracles. We're going to fast forward to what we call the last supper of Jesus and his beloved disciples i told you we're talking about the greatest love story that's ever been told this same jesus who was born of the very marriage virgin mary the same jesus who was baptized by his cousin john the same jesus who started his ministry by turning water into wine later gave sight to the blind caused the lame to walk and the mute to talk this same jesus who had performed miracle after miracle in front of thousands the same Jesus who would cast demons out of men who would heal the woman with the issue of blood and heal so many others. The same Jesus who had slept and ate with his beloved disciples and who wasn't worried about what the Republicans would say when he sat and ate with tax collectors and people of that kind 
who others have shunned, this same Jesus who allowed the woman to wipe his feet with her tears and with her hair. This same Jesus would later sit down at what we called his last supper with his beloved disciples and he would talk about his betrayer. God is a forgiving God, the great I am. As we go fast forward to Matthew, the 26th chapter, the 21st reads, When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12 disciples. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? He replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. For the son of man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. The 25th verse says, Judas, the one who would betray him, asked, Rabbi, am I the one? Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus tells him, you have said it. You have said it. 26th verse picks up. And as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat it. For this is my body. And then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, eat of you drink from it. For this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then they all sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Jesus knowing that as he looked around the table of his beloved disciples, he would know that just moments later, they all would scatter Moments later, one would betray him. Moments later, they would reject him. Moments later, one would deny him. Oh, mercy, mercy. The next scene unfolds as Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew, the 26th chapter, the 36th verse. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee these two sons James and John and he began came anguished and distressed he told them my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death stay here and keep watch with me Jesus goes on a little bit further and bows his face to the ground praying my father if it be possible let this cup of suffering be taken away from me yet I want your will to be done not my will but thy will to be done. How many of us today can truly pray within our hearts when we're going through trials and tribulations where we can say, will we say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. Regardless of what I go through, Lord God, your will be done. Can we say that in all honesty? Can you say that in all honesty? Not my will, but thy will be done. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it continues, Jesus returns to the disciples and he found them asleep. He says to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you would not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. But then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, 
Your will be done. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. You see, Jesus was flesh at this time. He was physical at this time. I can't even imagine what he must have been feeling. But guess what? He knew what he was facing, but he still decided to go through with it for me and for you. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returns to his disciples again and he finds them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open, he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to his disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Mm. He knew that he was being betrayed. The next thing that I want to share with you in this story is the trial of Jesus before Pilate. The 11th verse is, now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. And the Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, you have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they are bringing against you? Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. And the, as the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had, re, had arrested Jesus out of envy. But just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Leave this innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priest and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted out the more, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? The crowd shouted, crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, we will take the responsibility for his death, we and our children. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. But, praise God, the story doesn't end here. I'm talking about the greatest love story ever told. God is the great I am. The next scene unfolds is the death of Jesus. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. At about 3 o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Ella, Ella, let me celebrate which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah, 
One of them ran and filled the sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, praise the Lord, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom, the earth shook, rocks split apart, and the tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the Son of God. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. I thank God that the story doesn't end here. We're talking about the greatest love story ever told. God is the great I am. The next scene I'm going to share with you is the burial of Jesus. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of a rock. Then he rolled a gray stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other men were sitting across from the tomb and watching. <laughs> Matthew 28. This is the greatest love story ever told. Here it is. This is what I've been building you up for, the great resurrection. The great resurrection, you guys. Early on Sunday morning, as the new dawn, day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The gods shook with fear when he saw them, and they fell into a dark, a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but they were also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grabbed his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. This is the greatest love story ever told. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I thank God that I am part of that whosoever. What about you? Do you believe that God is the same yesterday, 
the same God that spoke to Moses from the burning bush as he is today. So I say to you today, be comforted in the knowledge that God is still the great I am. Be still and choose to trust him. The Bible lets us know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, for he changes not. The great I am has spoken, and he is still on the throne. The greatest love story, the greatest love affair of all ages is between God the Father, God the Son, and you. God loved us so much that he wrapped himself up in himself and came down to earth to save us. Knowing, though, this is free will. He doesn't push himself on us. He doesn't force this love relationship. He stands ready with open arms to accept all those who believe on his son, Jesus Christ. God is his son who came down, came down to earth to save us. He was baptized by John started his earthly ministry, betrayed by those very ones close to him, accused by Pilate, beaten, spit upon, put to shame, death by the old rugged cross, hung his head and died, but that wasn't the end of the story. As foretold by Isaiah 53rd chapter in the 5th verse, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, we are healed. That wasn't the end of the story. You see, he got up out of that grave with all power in his hand, praise God. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, my hope is restored. Because he lives, you can rest in the knowledge that you can spend eternity with him if you believe, if you confess, and if you acknowledge him as your Savior. There's an old song that goes something like, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds my future, praise God. And life is worth the living all because he lives, praise God. God is the great I am. I have shared with you the greatest love story ever, the greatest love affair ever that started in heaven and will end in heaven. Praise God. Praise God. Now here's your opportunity. I don't want to assume, we don't want to assume that you already have this relationship with him, that you know about this love relationship we've been talking about. We don't want to assume anything. We want to ask you a question. We want to give you an opportunity to know without a shadow of a doubt that you are already all right, that your relationship is okay with Jesus. Are you saved? Well, what do you mean are you saved? Are you born again? Well, what do you mean are you born again? Have you, have you given your heart over to Jesus? We do not want to assume that everyone listening is saved. For those who are not saved, for those who are unsure of their salvation, listen very carefully. At the end of the day, when you breathe your last breath or when Jesus comes back, whichever comes first, what will be your destiny? Have you already accepted Jesus Christ into your heart? And are you saved? That is, have you acknowledged everything that I've shared with you today? Have you acknowledged that God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins? Have you acknowledged and asked for forgiveness? Have you repented of your sins and by faith have you received his forgiveness? Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. So the first thing you need to do if you have not done that, you need to admit that you are a sinner. 
Romans 3, 10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So you need to be willing to return from sin. That is, you need to be willing to repent. You need to believe that Jesus Christ died for you, that Jesus was buried, and that he rose from the dead. Romans 10, 10 says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Through prayer, you can invite Jesus right now into your life to become your personal Savior. Don't leave without doing this if you're not saved. Romans 10, 13 says, For with whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's simple. It doesn't take a whole lot. It just takes a heart confession, a heart belief. You can pray this prayer right now and repeat after me. Dear God, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ shed his precious blood and died for my sin. I am willing to turn from my sin. I now invite Christ and to come into my heart and life as my personal Savior. Did you do that? Did you sincerely do that? If you trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, you have just begun a wonderful new life with him. Now, a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful new life has just opened up to you. Read your Bible, get you a good study Bible, and read your Bible every day to get to know Jesus Christ better. Talk to God in prayer as he is your friend. Be baptized, worship and fellowship and serve with other Christians in a local church where Christ is preached and where the Bible is the final authority. And don't be selfish with this good news. Tell others about Jesus Christ. Go and tell somebody else that Jesus saved and what he's done for you. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for giving us another opportunity, Lord God, to share the good news about your love. We thank you for giving us another opportunity, Lord God, to share the good news about your grace and about your mercy. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done for us, Lord God. And we thank you that your word seals it and seals it in the name of Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Lord God, because you're so wonderful. You're so faithful. You're so kind. You're so just. You're such a forgiving God. And we love you so much, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to serve you. And we give it all to your glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas. A very Merry Christmas. And don't forget, don't forget, Jesus truly is the main reason, the only reason for this season. Amen. Go with peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Minister Van. Amen. What an awesome message from about Christmas. Amen. We are excited about that. We pray again that you will share this broadcast with others. Amen. Um, History Bound and Grace again is every Tuesday. Amen. And she just does such an awesome, awesome word. Amen. A teachable word. Amen. Um, that will stir up the, the gift of the Holy Spirit that's in you. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Amen. She also offer uh, the plan of salvation. Amen. So we pray that you have a blessed uh, uh, holiday. We will continue with our broadcast probably on Friday and Sunday. We got a couple of broadcasts before before Christmas uh, Eve. Amen. But uh, we pray that you will just be safe out there, be blessed, and remember what the, the purpose of the season. God bless you. Amen. <laughs>